Dobry den, jak si mayesh? I'm Havnina, host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Join me Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for a bilingual hour of Ukrainian music, folklore, and factoids for the culturally curious. And at 12 noon, join Oksana for Nash Holos Ukrainian Hour, here on CHLY 101.7 FM. And a frantic rendition of the classic Shedrik, which means bountiful. And that was performed by the Ukrainians from London, England, or Leeds, England, rather. And uh, that is from uh, an EP that they released in November. Just came in the mail, snail mail, all the way across, from across the pond, uh, courtesy of the Ukrainians. So I had to share that with you. We just got it a few days ago. So I'm very happy to bring that to you today. Dobry den, Shanovni Radio Sukhachita Vitayuvas, Psych, Naradio Peredachu, Nash Holos, Radio Krinsko, Korinia. Yakapo de Etsivam Sihodni, Takeki Kojni, Serede, Zedinatsutoi, Dotri Natsutoi Hodene, Nachveli CHLY, Stoedenisim FM, Umistina Naimo. Primikrofoni, Tsihodenu, Ya Pavlina, Idali Bude Oksana. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, coming to you from CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host this hour, Pavlina, and Oksana will be along at noon to take over the microphone and host the show in Ukrainian. This hour, we've got a Ukrainian food flair and a recipe for pork pate. As well, we have a scoop for you coming up. Uh, we have a special feature, courtesy BBC World Service, speaking of Across the Pond. And uh, this is um, a documentary that they have allowed us to air before they air it. And it is the story of a bakery that operates on the front lines in Ukraine, right in the war zone. So stay tuned for that as well. We've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And this is um, the last programming of the Ukrainian Christmas New Year's season for 2017-2018. So we'll be featuring mostly New Year's and maybe a Yordan carol or two. 
And coming up next is a little closer to home, Luna from Victoria and Oisevaya Ta Izazulenka, the Grey Cuckoo. Next, from the Nasholos Audio Archives, Ukrainian Food Flare. Hello, this is a delicate Ukrainian pate that's always welcomed for the appetizer course. Lovely served with crusty white bread or baguette. To make it, you'll need the following. 225 grams or 8 ounces of smoked bacon slices. 375 grams or 13 ounces boneless chicken breast skinned, 1 tablespoon lemon juice, 225 grams or 8 ounces of lean ground pork, half a small onion very finely chopped, 2 eggs beaten, 2 tablespoons chopped flat leaf parsley, 1 teaspoon salt, 1 teaspoon peppercorns, crushed, or half a teaspoon freshly ground pepper. Lettuce leaves, cherry tomatoes, radishes, and lemon wedges to garnish. Preheat your oven to 325 degrees Fahrenheit. Arrange the bacon slices overlapping over the base and sides of a two-pound loaf pan. Cut about four ounces of the chicken breast into about four inch strips. Put the remaining chicken, ground pork and onion in a food processor and process until smooth. Add the eggs, parsley, salt and peppercorns to the meat mixture and pulse a few times. Spoon half the mixture into the pan and arrange the strips on top then cover with the rest of the mixture. Cover with a piece of well-oiled foil. 
Place the foil-covered pan in a larger roasting pan and place it in a 325-degree Fahrenheit oven. Pour enough hot water in the roaster pan to come halfway up the sides of the loaf pan. This method is known as using a bain-marie and placing the pan inside another larger pan filled to half with hot water ensures even cooking. Bake at 325 degrees Fahrenheit for 50 minutes or until firm. Try it. It's Ukrainian. This has been Ukrainian Food Flare from the Nasholos Audio Archives. Oi de ptashechku, ti sokomonku, sviati vechir, boji vechir, chistengim poli, svitmonka stoi, sviati vechir, boji vechir, uti svitmonsi, ospodaronku, sviati vechir, boji vechir, ospodaronku. Stae ranenko, sviati veci, boži veci, stae ranenko, mijeličenko, sviati veci, boži veci, stavec tolonke, utririadonke, sviati veci, boži veci, stelit obrusi, samiljani. Sviati veči, boži veči, klade hlibonko, žitni pšenični. Sviati veči, boži veči, žitni pšenični, mogu velični. Sviati veči, boži veči, oj te ptašečko, šesko, pesko, zlati veči, boži veči.
a couple of New Year's well-wishing tunes for you there on the same theme, usually about a bountiful evening or dinner, and uh, they pretty much all have the same title, something like Szczesity Vacher, and uh, so that you heard from uh, Corinna from Calgary, and before them, Andriana Knapp from the Eastern United States. And just to uh, remind us that it is still technically, officially, on the liturgical calendar anyways, uh, Christmas season, we've got Picaridiska Teresia next with Radoisia. Rejoice! Radoisia, radoisvoju, vospivaju, Tarkis mutok mojich poznavaju. Radoisia, divo, radoisia, radoisia, Radu Живот мы рови Vysluchíte rádio predáču náš holos rádio Krínskoho Koríňa na chvíli CHLY 107 FM umístí na najmo. Hovorit Palina. You're listening to náš holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host Palina. Славляет, а слухняный ⁇ 
про дитятко і співає йому, спине мовлятко, а слухняний осіль дбає про дитятко і співає йому, спине мовлятко. Алілуя, алілуя, спас народився нам. Алілуя, 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 спас народився нам. Його різдво ми нині вже складаємо на небі слава, йому заспіваємо. Ukrainian group called Pelorem and Spas Narodeosia, Our Savior is Born. Now, on Friday, on the Julian calendar, will be the Feast of Jordan, and that is the third and final feast of the Christmas season. And we've got a little explanation about the Feast of Jordan and also the three feasts of Christmas. But before that, we've got a song for you by a group called Drevo, and uh, they sing in the Billy Holos style, very traditional, very ancient sound. And here they are now with Oi U Rusalemi Rano Zadzvonele. And that translates as, Oh, in Jerusalem, bells ring early in the morning. Oh, 
народила ще дариби. Чер, добрий вечір, добрий мальок, дьом на здоров'я. На руки не брала, на руки не брала, сином назвала ще дариби. Чер, добрий вечір, добрий мальок, дьом на здоров'я. Далою моє м'я, далою моє м'я, святого Ісуса ще дариби. Чер, добрий вечір, добрий мальок, дьом на здоров'я. Every year on January 19th, the Christian world celebrates one of the most significant holidays, the baptism of Jesus Christ or Epiphany. This holiday is a reminder for all of the ceremony of baptism of Jesus Christ in the River of Jordan on his 30th birthday. The word baptism has its roots in the Greek language, meaning to submerge in water. Orthodox Epiphany has been recognized and celebrated from the times of Old Rus and was celebrated lavishly. Today the tradition still exists. After the religious ceremony takes place, Everyone plunges into the closest body of water where the ice has been broken into a cross-shaped opening. Not even the freezing temperatures of the winter cold could stop those who believe in this ritual. It is believed that those who swim in the ice-cold waters shouldn't fear the cold temperatures, as the water will heal all of those who submerge of all illness and revive the body, but only so long as the person has said a prayer and truly believes in the powers of the epiphany. Those willing to experience the individual cleansing and blessing are welcome to enter the water and must also submerge their bodies completely underwater three times while crossing themselves and saying a prayer. In Kyiv and all over Ukraine, the tradition has been gaining great popularity in the last few years. The main ceremony in the capital takes place at Hydro Park at the banks of the Dnieper River. Local employees of the embassy, such as Sergei Mahov and his eight-year-old son, were a little more used to the cold waters. By tradition, January 19th is the coldest day of the year. Believers also rely on the day's weather to predict summer and the results of the year's harvest. For example, a clear and cold sunny day means a dry summer is ahead. Snowy and foggy day is a sure sign of a rich harvest that year. As a rule, the bigger the snowflakes, the better the harvest. Perhaps the saddest part of the day for children and adults alike is the fact that Epiphany represents the official end of the Christmas and New Year holidays in this part of the world. I'm Vasil Pavlovsky, and this is Cultural Capsule, especially for Nash Holos. Given that Christmas has just passed, according to those who follow the Julian calendar, which include both Orthodox and Greek Catholic Ukrainians, it would be appropriate for me to greet you with the phrase, Christos Rodivsia, Christ is born, to which the appropriate response would be, Slavimoyho, let us glorify him. This greeting is appropriate all the way through until Yordano, or January 19th. 
which is the day that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. Thus, if you ever find yourself in Ukraine during this time of year, do not be surprised if someone greets you in such a manner. In one of the best-known Ukrainian carols, Dobry Vecher Tobi, Good Evening to You, which is sang to the owner of a household when caroling, there are a number of stanzas in succession which sing of three holidays, which will come to believers as guests. The first of these will be the birth of Christ, which you all know, according to the Julian calendar, falls on January 7th. The second is the Feast of St. Basil, which falls on January 14th, the Old New Year. Contemporary Ukrainians often celebrate the coming of the Old New Year with a ball or banquet. This event is referred to as the Malanka and is the Feast of St. Melania the Younger and falls on the eve of the New Year. This evening is also called Shkedri Vecher, and during this period, it is possible for carolers to visit in Senkolyade and Shkedrivke, hence the name of Vyantovich's famous song Shkedri. The third and final holiday mentioned in the carol is Vodokhrestia, which falls on January 19th. The etymology of this word is from the words for water, voda, and christening, Christiania. This is the day which Christ was baptized in the River Jordan. And this being the case, the holiday is by some referred to as Jordan. On this day, and for some time after it, the faithful greet each other slightly differently. Christos Christevsia, Christ was christened, to which the appropriate response is Uriti Jordani, in the River Jordan. I'm Vasil Pavlovsky, and this week's cultural capsule featured the three holidays of the season which visit Orthodox and Eastern Rite Catholics. To all listeners of Nasholos, may your larders and wallets be full, that health always be with you, and may you live long and prosper. Vyslukajte radio predaču Nasholos, radio Krinskoho Korinja, na radiostanci CHLY, stojadeni sim FM umisti nanajmo. Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY, 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host this hour, Pavlina. Up next is a scoop, so to speak, produced by BBC World Service, which they will air on January 20th on their network. It will also air later on CBC and NPR. However, Nash Holos listeners tuning in today will hear it first. Many thanks to Keith Perron of PCJ Radio International, which distributes Nash Holos internationally to over 20 countries on AM, FM, shortwave, and satellite radio. The editor of Assignment on the BBC World Service sent Keith an email letting him know in advance about this feature, as BBC is aware that PCJ Radio syndicates a Ukrainian program internationally. Keith kindly passed it on to me to share with Nasholus listeners. So, what is this scoop all about? Well, it's a 26-minute documentary produced by the BBC World Service called Ukraine's Frontline Bakery. Here's how the BBC describes it. BBC's Lucy Ash meets the staff and customers of a bakery, which is the one bright spot in war-torn East Ukraine. The war there between Russian-backed rebels and the Ukrainian army has dropped out of the headlines, and there seems to be little political will to make peace. More than 10,000 people have been killed, and as it enters its fourth year, this has become one of the longest conflicts in modern European history. But in the frontline town of Marienka, there is one bright spot amidst the gloom, the bakery. 
It's the first new business in the town since the fighting began, and it is bringing some hope and comfort to its traumatized citizens. We meet staff and customers from the bakery to explore a community living on the edge. The aroma of fresh bread, says the man behind the enterprise, gives people hope. It smells like normal life. A pensioner buys vegetables in an almost deserted market. Marinka was once a bustling town of more than 10,000 people in Ukraine's eastern Donbass region, famous for coal mining. In the park, there are Soviet-era portraits of heroic workers, medals pinned to their chests. Now, mines and factories lie idle. Half the population has left for jobs in safer parts of the country. But I want you to meet someone still working here. I first came to Marienka in 2014, three days after it was liberated. I was with two other humanitarian aid workers, and it was like a ghost town. Alek Kachenko is a tall man in a leather jacket with a pageboy haircut. He arrived here at the beginning of the war. Marinka was first captured by pro-Russian separatists, then retaken by the Ukrainian army four months later, or, as he puts it, liberated. To actually come to a town which didn't exist, no people, no cars, no birds, no cats, it was a terrible situation. Marinka is still on the edge of a war zone, in the area the Ukrainian government calls the anti-terrorist operation zone. Alek, a company boss turned pastor, who always seems to have one ear glued to his mobile phone, had the skills and money to leave this area, but he decided to stay. Even more than that, he decided to do something that in its small way is quite remarkable. He set up a little business in Marinka, the first in the town since the war began. He takes me into a battle-scarred building, once a supermarket, where customers line up for fresh bread, buns and little pies stuffed with cabbage. It came to me in a flash, we have to open a bakery right here in Marienka. In the town, people were saying, the smell of fresh bread, normal life has returned. Life is very far from normal here. The fighting is in its fourth year and there's no end in sight. But Alieg's bakery provides some comfort amidst the trauma which has engulfed this town. So in this week's assignment, the story of a single bakery. I'll be following the bread, not the money, to learn more about daily life in eastern Ukraine's war zone. Every customer of the bakery has a story to tell. What kind of bread do you buy? I ask a pensioner with watery blue eyes. Rye bread and white bread. My husband likes rye, but I don't really care as long as there is bread. Olga Shebel and her husband Nikolai settled in this town more than 30 years ago after they were evacuated from the contaminated zone around the Chernobyl nuclear power station. 
The war has separated Olga from her children and grandchildren. When was the last time you saw them? When? In June. And after that? There was fighting. I can't. It's hard. Our children are only one and a half kilometers from us, and I can't see them. Olga's daughters live on the other side of the front line, in an area controlled by the Russian-backed rebels in the breakaway Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR. You need special permission to go there. A teacher comes into the bakery to pick up 35 jam-filled buns. We follow her to the local kindergarten, where three- and four-year-olds are stomping around in time to music. March nicely, chins up, says their teacher. The building was badly damaged by heavy artillery fire, and the pupils have only just moved back in. As the children drink their tea and devour the buns, Nadezhda Gotla, one of the teachers, urges them to say thank you. We are very grateful because it's hard to go through the day from 7 or 8 in the morning without something to eat. Now the children really look forward to their snack. Every morning we ask them what day it is. Today they said it's Monday and we will have our buns. How safe do they feel at the nursery school? We have a good bomb shelter here. We call it our secret room. It's got a sofa, some books and water, and we read fairy tales there. If there is a loud noise, the children shudder for a second. Then they see that everything is okay and they go back to normal. Of course, we talk about the war. I mean, we tell them about the danger from landmines which are scattered all over the place. But in the kindergarten, we also try to distract them from all the negative things around us. I've come to see Olga Shebel, the customer I met this morning at the bakery, who's not so easily distracted and mourns her past life. She and her husband are camping out in a house belonging to another family who have fled the town. Now we are over 60 and, and we don't have our own place to live. When I get undressed, I have nowhere to put my clothes. There isn't even a bed here. Olga rummages around in a cardboard box next to a mattress on the floor and pulls out some photographs. Wedding pictures, her well-tended garden where her family used to gather around a big table for celebrations. The house is now uninhabitable and the garden destroyed. It was beyond the roadblock on the territory that does not belong to either side. It's a place where there is neither DNR nor Ukraine. It's just that they shoot from both sides. Who do you blame for what's happened, I ask her. Those who gave them arms. Why do we civilians have to go and hide in cellars? Where has all the destruction come from, the blood and deaths? 
What is it all for? No one can say. Back at the bakery, Aliag is checking on sales. The assistant says, good, best day so far this week. The bakery gives some bread away and sells the rest at below market prices. It needs to make enough to cover costs and pay its seven employees. Aliag spends his days in Marinka, but at night he goes home to another town further from the front line. I notice he doesn't hide his political sympathies. There's a blue and yellow Ukrainian flag planted on his dashboard. On the way, we pass a long queue of cars waiting at the crossing point to enter the rebel-held DNR. Many in Marinka have relatives on the other side. Some lug supplies and sometimes contraband back and forth. Sometimes you can get through quickly, but the queues can stretch back for more than 10 miles, says Alieg. At home, Alieg's wife Yevgenia is playing with the two youngest children. Alieg once ran a successful machine tools company in the regional capital, Donetsk, which is now in rebel-held territory. He sought solace in the church after his eldest daughter was killed in a car crash and his first wife died after a long illness. That was before the war. Today, he dedicates his life to helping others. I had loads of opportunities to go somewhere else and build a new life of comfort, but we turned down those opportunities. Because when you're in a war zone, you are touched by the pain of the people there, and they become family to you. How does Yevgenia feel? Wouldn't she like to leave? Well, of course I have had those thoughts and desires. Of course I have. It's just that when you look around, you realize that your roots are here, your whole life is here, that these are your people. I just can't bring myself to leave them. Yet she admits that she worries for her children and also for relatives still in rebel-held Donetsk, who she fears could be punished for Alieg's activities. The Orthodox Church is dominant in eastern Ukraine, and some see evangelical Christians like Alieg as a threat. He left the town of Slavyansk in 2014 after separatists occupied a Protestant church and murdered another pastor. You know, there are three kinds of people who are in a lot of danger here. Businessmen, Christians or priests, and pro-Ukrainians. We pretty much belong to all three categories. But Aliak has carried on with his humanitarian work, running after-school clubs and organizing holidays in western Ukraine for the town's children. Throughout the war, he's been helping to deliver food to frontline towns. But by the time the bread got to Marinka, it was always cold and stale. So he and a fellow pastor decided a bakery was needed, whatever the obstacles. Firstly, the place could be bombed. Then we worried about our stuff. How would they get to work and back safely? Then there was the lack of electricity or water. There were so many factors which screamed at us. No, we shouldn't be doing this here. And when we opened, 
it was a miracle. The following evening, Ali is in the bakery discussing the oven temperatures with his staff. Equipment was bought with the help of foreign aid, $10,000 from Canada, where there's a big Ukrainian diaspora, and truckloads of flour were donated by the Czech Republic. Natasha is making the dough for the black bread in huge mixing bowls the size of a bathtub, and, um, and she's slowly adding water from a blue plastic cup. Natasha, a woman of few words and bulging biceps, needs the dough at an impressive speed. She used to work at the town's bread factory until it was destroyed by an artillery shell. It now lies out of bounds in no man's land. Olya and Tanya were employed by the town's dairy, now closed down. Olya, outspoken and ruddy-cheeked, says she's grateful for her new job. We make enough to pay the electricity bills and we have enough bread, it's good. It's not so frightening when you work as a team. I hate to be alone in the house when the fighting is going on. Here it's easier to endure. It's an island of peace. When you go out in the streets, the shooting starts, even kids have been hit. Now, finally, the first batch has come out of the oven. Uh-huh. So the rye bread is being taken out now. But sporadically, all through the night while we've been here, there's been rumble of uh, shelling and occasional gunfire. And the women who work here, they hardly notice that anymore. Kobe Katania lives with her husband, a retired miner, and their 14-year-old son. They could leave. So why don't they? Yes, we thought about it and we would like to, but where can we go? And who needs us? Some feel trapped in Marinka because they have to care for elderly relatives. Others can't afford to move. Tanya wants to be near Danetsk for another reason. My parents are buried in the cemetery there, and my brother too. He died young in a mining accident. We did go this year, but you know, to spend 15 minutes at the grave site, you have to spend the whole day in a queue at the crossing point. I used to just go there on my bicycle. As the night wears on, the women's frustrations pour out. Scraping the baking trays, Olya complains about the Ukrainian army. She says many local houses have been looted by soldiers and she doesn't find their presence reassuring. In 2015, we didn't know who was firing, but we have been here as long as the war has, and now we know our houses are targeted. We are the ones who suffer. The soldiers used to be friendlier, says Tanya, but now when you see them in the street, they don't even say hello. They call us separatists. They say, you went to vote. You wanted this referendum on independence for the Donetsk region. I didn't want that. All I wanted is to live better. But anyway, in my family, we didn't go and vote. I am for a united Ukraine. I can't speak for others. Tanya's talking about the referendum in May 2014, 
which was held in several towns in the east, but wasn't recognized by the Ukrainian government. Following the poll, separatist forces declared the breakaway republics of Donetsk and Lugansk. Olya breaks in at this point. You know, people here, they don't care who is in charge. They could be Tatars or Mongolians for all we care. We just don't care, as long as there is peace. We didn't understand this before, but now it's a golden word for us. We were used to living here with our children, with our families, uh, but now our children have left and the family has been broken up by the war. Everything has fallen apart because of the war. We're going to the place where the Ukrainian army is positioned just on the outskirts of Marinka. Um, apparently there was some trouble there last night. There was quite a lot of shelling, but I'm told it's quiet today. When we arrive at their position, a former hospital with smashed windows and wires poking out of the walls and ceilings, Aliag walks ahead of me, clutching half a dozen freshly baked loaves of bread. <laughs> He's come to introduce himself and the bakery to the soldiers. They've only arrived a few weeks ago because there's been a troop rotation. The bread is put carefully into a metal cabinet by the battalion's cook, who tells me there are rats and mice running around. Then the army press officer who's brought us here, Lieutenant Ivan Burdyuk, takes us to the commander's bunker. Ivan, who's that talking? This, this guy from another point observation point, you know, oh. uh, for everyone to know what is happening there. Just ringing and saying what they can see? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was observing some uh, explosion, you know. To my surprise, the commander is a 22-year-old in a beanie hat. When the war started, he was a cadet. What does he think about it now? He said that uh, this is some sort of show to earn some money, I don't know, for some higher people. High up people? Yeah. Who, who's earning the money? <laughs> Obviously not him. <laughs> Obviously not you, yeah. This is his uh, personal opinion. He said not, not the country earned the money, some persons who are in the shade. Are you talking like about politicians or oligarchs or private military commanders? We don't see them, but there are persons who get some money from this war. If no one will need this war, it would be stopped. The commander is also candid about the shortages of equipment, such as night vision goggles and medical kits. Even the press officer Ivan admits the army is often reliant on volunteers and charities for supplies, rather than the government. And something else is lacking, a strong broadcasting signal. Many people in the Donetsk region can only access Russian TV, and that doesn't help the army's relations with local people, says Ivan. Oleg was saying, well, the people in Marinka, they, they are very happy to see the Ukrainian yeah, they, army. They, they are really too happy uh, that we stay here and defend them. But all the people, uh, they are watching uh, Russia today here because we have very poor signal Ukrainian uh, of the Ukrainian channels here. So uh, when the people uh, are watching Russia today, for example, they are stopped 
uh, thinking it to so you mean that it makes them anti-Ukrainian yeah, army anti- yeah they start thinking like Russia needed you know it's difficult it's a very complicated situation here before I leave I go to the top of the building to get my bearings and a bird's eye view of the town that was just the bell from the church in Marinka. I'm not going to come out any further onto this roof because there are snipers over there. The town centre is only about four or five hundred metres away. That's where the bakery is and the market. Back in the centre of town, elderly people queue outside the town hall for a winter coal allowance. But a rouse started because only those in the red zone closest to the front line are eligible. I've been here from the start living under the shelling. It's not fair, says a woman. Aren't we people too, splutters an elderly man. It's a chaotic scene with people pushing and shouting over each other. I go upstairs to see if Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Teslia, a military man, now the acting mayor in Marinka, can sort things out. My budget is zero hryvnias, so I feel more upset about all this than you, and fixing up houses and helping people and creating better living conditions. I cannot do this because I don't have the means. He snaps that he's doing his best, and I should address my questions to hire up people in Kiev. But he softens a bit when I ask him about the bakery. How much of a difference has it made to the town? The smell of bread when you are walking down the street, it's very important. As important as the air we breathe. If Oleg was making slippers or perfume, that wouldn't matter much. But bread is our staple food. And when you pick up a loaf, which is warm and fluffy, not delivered from Zaporozhye, which is 200 kilometers away, but it's fresh from the local bakery. It makes you feel better. I've come to visit Olya the baker. She's at home now after her night shift and shows me the cellar where she hid during the worst of the shelling. By the light of my cell phone, I can see jars of pickled vegetables and jams neatly stacked on shelves. There's very little space. How long did Olya have to stay down here? Sometimes 40 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes half a day, and sometimes all day and all night, like on the 3rd and 4th of June 2015. They bombed us constantly for 16 hours. We had bangs and explosions. Ooh, baba. Ooh, babu. And the ground was trembling. The house was shaking. Of course we were scared, and I was worried about my mother. We couldn't get her down here because she was paralyzed, so she was stuck in the house all the time. And I couldn't reach her by phone. There's no signal down here. Across the road, a tiny girl called Lilia was killed when a shell went through her bedroom. She was only six months old. Olya's father had a leg amputated after he was hit by shrapnel, and he later died. She points out her roof, which has been patched up by volunteers. 
Her co-worker Tanya's house just down the road has also been hit several times. Many adults and children are psychologically, if not physically, scarred by the fighting. Looking at the faces of those taking part in the weekend service at Aliag's church opposite the bakery, it's clear that living in a war zone has taken its toll. Aliag tells me the divorce rate here has rocketed. A number of couples are driven apart by split political allegiances. Others turn to drink or drugs to cope with the stress. The longer I spend with Alieg, the more I feel I understand what motivates him. Over a cup of tea, he tells me that his surviving daughter from his first marriage was caught up in a terrifying incident at the beginning of the war. She was in a minibus driving through the capital, Donetsk, when armed men opened fire. You know, despite the fact that the bullet from the machine gun went through her seat, she wasn't hurt. For me, this was a turning point. I prayed to God. I said, if anything happens to her, I'm a fit bloke. I've served in the army. I do sport. And my priority is to defend my motherland and my family. So at that point, I had a clear choice. I could either take a gun in my hands and punish those people who had come here and started this war with us, or to continue my work in the church. But the fact that God has saved her, that made me understand my duty is to serve people, to save people, to bring spiritual values to the world. And that's your answer to why we didn't leave. That's why we are still here. Many thanks again to Keith Perron of PCJ Radio International and BBC World Service for that fascinating documentary and the scoop to share with Nanaimo listeners of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Zyuhudenu bola z vame pavlina. Nahaduju vysluchite radio programu Nasholos Radio Krinskoho Korinja. Zalašajte si zname na stupnu hudenu. Dali peredaju mikrofonu Oksani. Zaprošiju posluhajte troche pro istoriju i tradicije rozpovijste Oksana. Ale peredajem jo hoću zalašajte vas tukima slovame mudroste. Nihto ne znaje da joho šćastje čekaja. And our proverb of the week translates as no one knows where his fate awaits him. And that brings us to the end of the first hour of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please stay with us as Oksana takes over the microphone to host the next hour. Meanwhile, please join me here again next Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. And until then, do stay in touch with both of us via our Facebook page and Twitter. And make sure to visit the Nasholos website where you can get the podcast links and other information about the show. And that's www.nasholos.com. So 
stay tuned next for the Nasholos Ukrainian Hour with Oksana, followed by World Beat Canada with Vancouver's Cal Coat, and at 2 p.m. join our own Gord Bibby for two hours of great oldies on Groovin' with Bibby G. I'm Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. Do zusrichi. Будьте здорові, ми вже йдемо, йдемо і за коляду вам дякуємо. Дасть Бог діждати року нового, дасть Бог діждати року нового, ми ще повернемо додому цього. Додому дасть Бог діждати року нового, дасть Бог діждати року нового, ми ще повернемо додому цього. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.